Hello, this is Mahesh. And this is Alex. And welcome back to another episode of Stern Chats. We are so excited so for today's excited. episode. We have Nick Martell and Jack Kramer from the podcast Snacks Daily on the air with us today to talk about how they built this company. Alex, tell us about Snacks Daily. So Snacks Daily is a daily podcast um, about a few stories from the financial markets from the past day. Three stories, 15 minutes. It's quick. It's zippy. It's digestible. Mahesh and I listen to it basically every morning on our commute to Stern, and we're so excited to, to meet them in person. I got to say, Alex and I are a little podcast starstruck. As far as the podcasting world goes, these guys might be as close there is to celebrities. And we're really excited to have them. They've got great charisma, great chemistry. You're going to listen to it here today. And this is going to be a great one. A great one? I think it'll be the best one. The best one, yeah. That's a little inside joke for people who listen to their podcast. So let's get started and cue that music. Stern Campus, this is Stern Chats, the podcast that tells the hidden stories between the lines of someone's resume. In the interest of serving the Stern community, building relationships, and unlocking important life lessons, we present these stories to a wider audience. Hey guys, what's up? Awesome, great to be here. Mahesh and Alex, great to see you. Maria, how you doing in the studio? Can you see us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got Maria pulling the strings in the back. Um, we are so excited to have you guys here. We've so been excited. big fans for a long time. Uh, Alex, when did you first start listening to, to um, um, Basically, my first week here at Stern, I nice. Maria, who's producing this, was in my study group, and we were talking about how podcasts we love, and she's like, have you listened to this one? And I've basically listened every day since. we got to get this in months. NYU curriculum. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> You're spot on. No, I've, I've been there, yeah, right there with you. Big fan, listening pretty much every day. Uh, was using the Robinhood app uh, as well, and when you guys merged together, uh, I thought it was it was a match made in heaven, really. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly how we saw it, too. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So listen, to kick it off, how about you just tell our audience what is Robinhood Snacks, you know, as a product, and uh, what does it seek to deliver? Well, NYU Stern listeners, first of all, this is Nick. This is Jack. Yeah, we should make the <laughs> differentiation in our voices there. We have to do that all the time on the pod, as people point out. So this is Nick, and Jack and I co-founded a company called Market Snacks, acquired by Robinhood, relaunched earlier this year as Robinhood Snacks, and the core product is digestible business news. We call Snacks Daily, which is our 15-minute daily podcast, our flagship product. It's a beautiful product. We'd love to spend the morning with you during your breakfast routine, during your workout, during your commute to work. Snacks Daily is an amazing way to quickly catch up on the top three business stories of the day. And Nick and I curate the stories ourselves. We figure out what's the best combination of like front page Wall Street Journal, you need to know this, with, you know, the curated Chobani yogurt company is pivoting from Greek yogurt to oatmeal. That's actually a really interesting story. And so we cover a really nice mix. It'll be a refreshing way so that business news doesn't feel like a chore. It's actually a fun thing you look forward to, and it's hosted every day by Nick and me. We also have a daily newsletter called Robinhood Snacks, which complements the podcast with similar stories. And Jack and I are always taking unique, interesting angles. We're making business news something you look forward to every day. That's awesome. We want to sort of dive into the background. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about 
how this came to be, where you guys met. I mean, I want the whole yeah. meet cute. Oh my god, we gotta <laughs> we gotta time travel back like over a decade. We're walking into a freezing dorm room mid year where I meet Jack for the first time, my freshman year roommate. Complete chance. And what do we have? But the same protein shake and the same Seinfeld DVDs. I had season three. Nick had season four. Wonderful. Seinfeld. Wonderful compliment. Middlebury College. One in a million chance. Nick's my freshman year roommate. Uh, we we had connected on this new thing a couple weeks prior called the Facebook. Facebook. The, yeah. <laughs> the Facebook. You were like the first friend I ever had. This on was Facebook. like early days Facebook. I think it had just launched a new campuses. Yeah. Before uh, drop the the. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were some similarities, as Nick mentioned. We were also both college athletes. I was a football player. Nick was a lacrosse player. But there were a lot of differences too. Uh, Nick's from New York. I'm from Vermont. I have brothers. He has a sister. So. It was a great friendship and kind of expanded both of our horizons, became very, very good friends. Fast forward four years, we were roommates again in New York City, just like five blocks from here. Totally. This was like our stomping grounds kind of a thing. 14th Street between 2nd and 3rd, right above Beauty Bar. Love Mm -hmm. East Village. The only place you can get a drink and your nails done in New York City (laughs) at 2 in the morning. (laughs) We lived on the 4th floor, and if you open the window, I would hear at like 4 a.m., the next... Brooklyn bound, L train, okay. will arrive in seven <laughs> <Ten> minutes. minutes. <laughs> it's usually like 14 minutes. <laughs> um, anyway, Nick and I were both working in the financial industry, and the it job was, was fine, but finance was a tough time. It was um, early 2012. The European debt crisis was happening. Portugal this, Spain that, um, Greece this. Occupy Wall Street was at its peak, and mm-hmm. I was walking by it every day with my shirt and tie like being glared at by the the protesters of Occupy Wall Street. Very tough time for the financial industry and a ton of resentment mm. from people outside of finance who were still super bumming that, you know, the bailouts had happened of the big banks and now the economy wasn't treating most people well. Jack and I noticed pretty quickly then that there was a disconnect happening between how people were understanding the news and the reality was there's too much jargon it was too complicated we needed a business news source that would connect with our generation so we met up at a spot that stern students may know or love old town bar on 18th street great spot great spot i think it has like the (laughs) oldest porcelain urinals in new york city and jack and i ice at the bottom of the urinals. it's a wild place it's fantastic (laughs) we got a beer and we said we want to fix business news we want to make it digestible Let's start tonight, and we haven't missed a day of covering the markets since then in 2012. We called it Market Snacks because the idea was digestible, quick, easy to consume, and we tried to... Actually, the initial idea was we wished we had had this in college Yeah, because we had such busy schedules in college, and it was really hard to keep up with the news, and we tried to open up the Wall Street Journal but just closed it because we were so intimidated Mm -hmm. and felt like we didn't belong there, Um, but... It actually has much broader appeal than college students, and it's great for people who've never tried to consume financial news because they felt it wasn't for them, but it's also great for investment bankers who just want to start the morning with a fresh take on the top three stories. Yeah, when you guys were in college, were you when, when you met as freshmen, were you thinking that you were going to major in finance, major in economics, that this was the direction you were going to go? And then when the financial crisis happened, how did that change or alter or impact what you were thinking? Well, I was a history major. Okay, good. I was curious in finance. (laughs) 
And what I found, what kind of, you know, Jack and I ended up pursuing this entrepreneurial journey. And what's exciting is we came to it from different angles, uh-huh. which I think is a really cool statement about entrepreneurship, is there is no set way to do it. You don't have to take entrepreneurship courses exclusively. And you can do it if you've never taken entrepreneurship courses exclusively. So I was a history major. I was really into writing. I started taking a creative writing class that opened my eyes to, like, how the written word can be a powerful way to communicate. I took an acting class at one point that was, like, a little out of my comfort zone that these are things that at the time I didn't know they would have an impact on my life. And now I look back on them and all these things come together and they play a role in what we do here at Snacks. Mm. You know, Jack and I are performing every day on the podcast in front of a live audience in some cases, most recently at Spotify. And at the same time, we're writing and creating a core newsletter. These are written skills. These are research skills. These are acting skills that we put out there that are kind of the a mix of our experiences leading up to something we didn't expect to create. I was an econ and German double major at Middlebury and kind of stumbled into the financial industry because a lot of econ majors, you're not, I wasn't exactly sure what I, what I should do. So I ended up in a bank. It made sense but given my skills and my majors, um, but I knew it wasn't for me for the rest of my life. But going through like the investment banking training program, learning how to crunch numbers, read financial statements was actually another crucial ingredient for market snacks because we need that kind of bona fide Wall Street credibility. An amazing thing about market snacks that I'm personally really proud of, and I'm sure you are too, Nick, is that although we make it super accessible and eliminate jargon and make it so that someone with no financial background can understand, we are also, we have such vetted content that no you know, Wall Street or whatever say that's, that's wrong. Like our stuff is vetted and it's correct. Um, and we're not like dumbing down anything. Mm-hmm. We're just serving you Wall Street bona fide worthy stories, Totally, but in a new voice. Exactly. That's awesome. I, I think that's a big reason why it became such a hit so early on. Yeah. Um, I wonder you're launching first a a newsletter, yeah. which now you see this all the time, kind of yeah. like in emails and things like that. What did this first product look like? How did you put it together? Oh my god! Um, it shows up in an email, you know, on different browsers, you know, kind of earlier age of, uh, yeah. of phones as well, you know. Well, and how did you fit it in with everything else you were doing? Okay, at that, that time? this is a wild. Part. <laughs> so when Jack and I met up at Old Time Bar and we said we're going to do this every day and never miss a day, <laughs> that was without thinking about what that would mean. And I think that's one of the cool things about entrepreneurship is. You can plan for a lot and you should have a business plan, but you shouldn't let that encumber you from thinking big about how to do something because it's not practical. So it didn't make sense for Jack and I to do this. In fact, it was probably not even really allowed. We started doing market snacks in secret outside our bank jobs without telling anyone, totally anonymously, literally crafting these on our subway rides home, texting as we got on the four train, Jack from downtown, me from midtown saying, what three stories we're going to cover. There's something cool about Lululemon here. I think I see a storyline with Chipotle. Let's craft this and get this newsletter out. We started with a WordPress blog. and Unglamorous. It was a new blog post, <laughs> and I think we like checked the box that said, if new blog posts, like email all your followers. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't even intended to be an email newsletter. We, we matured and be focused on the email newsletter because we sensed that curated um, newsletters are a great way that people are loving financial news in the morning. So we were kind of an early adopter of the email newsletter product. Yeah. Um, but a fun detail I'd like to share is our logo. Our first logo yeah. was... R- Nick and I drew up sketches on a piece of paper and gave it to my buddy Kyle's sister, uh, <laughs> Stephanie, who we 
I'm not gonna say Shout how much we Stephanie. paid, but <laughs> it was not much. And uh, it was awesome that she created the first version of our logo, which we used for a couple of years. It was this like banker bull who was eating a sandwich, like a snack, <laughs> nice. and he was sort of in, in framed by um, like a, a nice bill, frame, kinda. like like George Washington yeah. is on the dollar bill. Mm. Uh, it was a great first logo. And like a couple years later, we ponied up like a thousand bucks for a second version of our logo. But it started, you know, as our side hustle. And as Nick mentioned, we did it in secret because we weren't sure that our bank's compliance departments would let us. But like one year later, we had our first opportunity to monetize and we had like a thousand subscribers or something. And it had fully grown organically. I mean, our name wasn't even on the website. Um, But as I mentioned, we were kind of early movers in this curated email newsletter space. And instead of having to read the whole newspaper, you could just read one and pretty much trust that you were getting the key stuff that you needed. Um, And from like a media perspective, Jack and I realized this was a powerful channel. I mean, this is intimate. We're in your inbox every day. That is valuable real estate. You don't let everyone into your inbox. Like you don't let everyone into your home. You curate that yourself. Right. So to be there front and center, 6.30 a.m. Eastern every morning, delivered and have that and own that channel and not have to go through, you know, another platform like a social media platform, Mm. but to own that relationship, that was big. So the Motley Fool was the first company to partner with us. And they said, like, we love your voice. We'd love to get your content on our website. And they basically just paid us every day to republish our newsletter on their website. So we had revenues coming in now, and I was like, we got to get approval for this. Yeah. This, is an, this is officially yeah. an outside business <laughs> activity. Definition. Yeah. <laughs> this is textbook. Yeah. You're like, I remember signing something on the yeah. first day. <laughs> so I went into Henning von Gersdorf was my German boss, and I, I told him, I'm like, I've been doing this for a while now. But I was like, this has actually boosted my performance because it makes me able to speak competently about the markets and interest rates and the foreign exchange and all that to my banking clients. So I pitched it as a win-win. He signed off. Nick got signed off as well. We created Market Snacks LLC. Mm-hmm. Market Snacks had existed on you know marketsnacks.com and WordPress already, but it officially became a company. We opened up a corporate bank account. Super basic stuff, but sure. um, Nick and I were 50-50 owners of the LLC, and it was great. We're in this funny phase at this point, too, where it's side hustle, but it's scaling side hustle. Like, that side hustle almost didn't do it justice. Jack and I are spending hours on this every single day, seven days a week, and that's when it started taking off as the newsletter product. No, I can imagine. I'm, I'm amazed your your bosses were <laughs> okay with this and sort of let it happen as, as you guys were scaling it up. Well, one thing we like to share uh, whenever we speak about side hustlers or the origins of our company, uh, our mar- market snacks before the acquisition was that, you know, there are great conversations to be had here in a new economy where side hustles are actually powerful with winners, winners, and winners. You know, if you're curious about starting a company, making that leap to just founding one can be challenging and intense. But side hustles are a great way to kind of exercise new skills where it's mainly about communication. You know, share this opportunity you're curious about with your manager, or your boss. Show them how there's value being created in your existing core role, and doing the side hustle actually is benefiting everyone. Like there, there are ways to approach this now that didn't exist 15 years ago. Yeah, side hustles can keep millennial employees satisfied yeah. when they otherwise might not be. We're like, I like to have feel a sense of purpose and value in what I'm doing. And some jobs just don't give that feeling to some people. So maybe if you get that sense of purpose and value from your side hustle, everyone's happy. So at some point during this, you guys then both make the leap to go to business school. 
this is before the podcast, right? Yeah. This is newsletter territory. Yeah. So we've been starting to do TV, video. Yeah. We're getting good PR. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it just start things start taking off. So what what led to that decision, and and how did you keep it going? Being in different places, then you're not in the East Village yeah. together anymore. Well, we totally bootstrapped Market Snacks. I mean, I just told you about the LLC story and the founding the bank account story. We never drew up a business model. Mm. We were pretty unsophisticated entrepreneurs. We just made a product every day and hoped that people liked it and that we would grow naturally, and we were. But we knew that to to steep in that curve, we'd have to become more sophisticated. I mean. The newsletter business is all about customer lifetime value. Like, how much is each newsletter subscriber worth? There was one time some guy, like, made this awkward offer to acquire us. And he's like, how much do you value your customers? Jack like, and I, like, put the phone on mute. We're like, how much do we have? <laughs> <laughs> we these guys. It was so awkward. You should throw out the first number. A little embarrassing, but we had no idea. How much do you think you <laughs> <laughs> back Well, out. that's when we started beefing up our media skills and realizing there are core numbers we got to nail down. Yeah, here. so. Yeah. At business school, like a couple of key, key lessons were immediately applicable to our, our company. And that was really cool to see. And we built a business model. We spent the summer in between business school years to launch the podcast, which was an amazing well, also leading summer. up to that moment. Like this was like an this was like a we use business school as a hyper accelerator program, I would say. Jack is at the University of Michigan at Ross. I'm down at Warden. We're, you know, Jack will fly into New York when we have like a potential TV opportunity or we'd be doing a TV hit for Market Snacks and Jack would do it remotely or I would hop on the train and leave class early and take class like as minimal as I could in the afternoon. <laughs> like Jack and I are like, we're almost side hustling business school at this point. That's amazing. <laughs> and we're, um, what's cool is, you know, a lot of people think you can go into business school and then start a company. Very few go in with a company that is existing and fully monetized. Yeah. And what Jack and I found is that there is a scale opportunity there where we're like literally using lessons from class in real life right into the product. Jack gets out of like a marketing class, gives me a call, boom, we completely changed how we monetized our ads based on a single lesson from one of his classes. Did Which, you, by the way, that lesson was changing from, I think like- Oh, dude, let's tell that story. Yeah. Specifically. <laughs> yeah what was it exactly? It was like changing no, from so, a single day so to Nick a full week. So Nick and I, would, we handled our advertising. Okay, so we, we had that Motley Fool partnership, but after that, we were an ad-based monetization. Yeah, so, Jack and I were like the marketing team, the PR team, <laughs> the founding team, and the So content. we negotiated yeah. directly with- brands that wanted to advertise on our newsletter to reach our audience. So we'd be like, yo, you know, we have an awesome set of uh, millennial readers who love our product. And, you know, we think your brand would really resonate with us. And they'd be like, okay, um, how much, how much to be the sponsor of your newsletter? And we'd be like, uh, you know, a thousand bucks for a week or a thousand bucks for a day or something. I don't know what we did, but we were selling by the day. And then they're like, okay, what days do you have available? We're like, any day. <laughs> In theory, it makes sense. You're like, there's more ad space if we do it by the day. But from and then their they're perspective, like, oh, so you guys are kind of desperate. Like, <laughs> you have 30 days this month you need to fill with advertising. How about I offer you 100 bucks? Like, that's better than the nothing you're right. going to get tomorrow. Yeah. Or it's like, like a supply do, and demand thing, yeah, right? Yeah, we, like, had too too much much, we had too much inventory of yeah, ad space. So yeah. we learned that scarcity... Or even just the perception of scarcity. Yeah. Two weeks left in November. It's almost it. like Tom Haverford in Parks and Rec. He like turned <laughs> down his first clients because he wanted to appear that he was booked. <laughs> we didn't do that. But we started selling our ads on a weekly basis. So they'd say, okay, what do you have available? We're like, we have a week, the second week of December is available. And then it's like, oh, wow. 
we just had more leverage after that. When huh. we started selling ads based on the week, we did we filled up our ad space so much better, and the hand just came over to us. And Jack and I learned to pitch these ads better. So then we start saying, this is actually better for you as the advertiser, because instead of a single day where people may or not may not open the newsletter that day, or they may not, they may just forget about you. Mm-hmm. Over a week, you can build a relationship here. So our ad companies that were sponsoring us ended up getting better results too. And then the customer lifetime value story is, is totally real. Absolutely. We figured out that, you know, based on the number of ads we could make from a, an, an additional newsletter subscriber and discount that to today's present value, it's like, okay, a newsletter subscriber is worth like 14 bucks. That's, that's great. Um, but yeah. we should never, ever pay more than 14 bucks to get a new newsletter subscriber because then you're just break even. Yeah. And if you spend more than 14 bucks on a Facebook ad, for example, then suddenly that new user costs more than, than it's worth. So um, this is something I learned in marketing. Both of these are actually marketing yeah. examples. But Did you ever use the company in like a school project where they're like, oh, do a project on something and you're like, Doing this, doing the old double dip. In, double dip. <laughs> someone like, looking for inspiration. Yeah, <laughs> someone did a project on us at one point, okay. um, which was helpful. I mean, one of the things Jack and I loved about business school is you know we're still really close with Jack's Ross friends and my warden friends, who are. And this was a surprise, I think, going into business school, how supportive a community it was. Mm. You know, it is. You hear all these stories of like MBAs, they're so competitive, and it's not. It's actually a community where it's like everyone realizes that. Everyone benefits as this pie gets bigger and other and their friends succeed. No, we totally agree. We found yeah. an incredibly supportive environment where like people are coming in, they're putting our stickers on their nameplates, covering their names with them. <laughs> like there, this was a, an awesome moment for us. I uh, never double dipped per se, but uh, I was a winner of the Marcel Ghani Fellowship at the University of Michigan, and was assigned two mentors for that summer when we launched the podcast. And Nick and I both turned down like typical MBA internships and instead scaled market snacks. Um, Josh and Sarka from Ross were amazing advisors who were crucial like during that that special summer. And I think I got like a $7,000 yeah. fellowship, which was really <laughs> helpful. Also, our first fundraise we ended up doing right after that first year of business school was through like a uh, connection through someone at Warden who was, you know, working at Rough Draft Ventures, which then, you know, we then connected with someone else there. And before we know it, Jack and I are like ending our first year. We're pitching to do our first fundraise here in New York. And it was just like, that's when things just hit a new level. Wow. So if you had to synthesize, you know, yeah. the takeaway from the school <laughs> year, <laughs> what's like the most important thing you learned um, when you were there? Most important thing I learned was in entrepreneurship and probably not just entrepreneurship. But um, the if you take a risk bigger than any other risk you've ever taken before, that's like scary. But what I saw was, oh my God, after we took that risk, there were so many opportunities that opened up because we took that risk. It yeah. was almost a signal to a lot of people that we're, we're serious about this. Like, look at the risk that they took. They turned down, you know, the, the Cush MBA internship that was going to pay 10000 you know, a lot of money. Um, and they're not, you know, they're, they're hustling to make their own ads totally. instead. Um, but there is a proportional like relationship between the size of the risk you're willing to take with the size of reward that can come to you. And I didn't know that like until I did it, but it was amazing. I love that one. I'm going to take Jack's. I just think that okay. was that's great. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. So let moving on to the story, you mentioned bringing up the podcast, you know, how did you transition this from, 
you know, what it was at yeah. the time, a newsletter, to now your voices in our ears, <laughs> you know, every day in this podcast. Well, this is part of that blitz that I mentioned before. You know, we start, Jack and I are doing more TV appearances. Yeah. We're starting to get publicity like Forbes 30 Under 30, where people are starting to reach out to you. One person who reached out to us was a podcast production company, a guy named Chris Corcoran. And he says, hey, can you guys translate this chemistry I'm seeing on the TV appearances you do with the voice that comes through in your newsletter and create a podcast? And Jack and I were like, we actually don't know. Maybe we could. We, could, we, could. we don't know. Um, we and, didn't know. But he said that there was a, a major void in the podcasting space for a daily business uh, podcast. So at that point, there were a lot of daily business newsletters that had sprouted True. up. Not just us. But also other startups like us, as well as you know, the Wall Street Journal and every digital media company mm-hmm. had a mm-hmm. newsletter at that point. So our space was getting crowded. But podcasting is still very nation. Like mm-hmm. it is not penetrated. Like something like forty percent, I think, of podcast listeners have graduate degrees. Like this is a pretty niche mm-hmm. segment. Yeah. So it was January of two thousand eighteen. We got invited to New York. I flew in. Nick took the Amtrak from Philadelphia. And it was in and out. I think it was a one-day trip, but yeah. we flew in just for this audition. Um, we went into their studios in the Upper West Side. Nick and I basically just read our newsletter before the audition and tried to turn it into a podcast. And we had four people watching us very closely. It's awkward, but cool. Turns out <laughs> they were assessing for the three Cs. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Now I'm going to forget them. Chemistry. Content. Charisma. Charisma? Yes. <laughs> I made up the third one. Totally, yeah. I couldn't remember what that and Even was. though it was super rough and unpolished, that podcast, and it went on for a full hour, and Snacks Daily is a 15-minute pod. It's right. perfect for a commute. You got to yeah. listen. So Jack and subscribe I... Subscribe it. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. <laughs> Jack and I then start realizing that the format is going to be key here. So yeah. we start working with Cadence on how to nail this and fit our principles, which are make business news digestible. And that's how we ended up with the 15-minute Snacks Daily pod. We played around with doing four stories, five stories, deep dives, but we ended up with this formula that's really connected with our super awesome and engaged snacker audience, which is we do our intro, it's fun, it's engaging, we do our three stories, we leave you with a takeaway after each one so that you're not just hearing that, you know, Casper's opening new stores, you're hearing that bad retail's dead, not good retail, and this is good retail. Like, you're getting these takeaways, we're ending it with a snack fact, which our users submit, and they actually get shout-outs on the pod, so for us, it's this kind of formula of snacks daily that took a while to craft, but we're so proud and have so much fun with it. Yeah. It wasn't the plan to do a podcast. Uh, we just got the invitation and, and went for it. So we're super thankful that it worked out. We, we joked to Chris that that email he sent us changed our lives Yeah, because now the podcast is a major differentiator. It's kind of awesome. It really ties together like the different parts of your products that were working really well. And it's like, wait, this format is perfect for it. Totally. And and we build a connection with people, which is really nice. You know, the newsletter is one medium where it's efficient. You get it every day. You can read it on your own time and, like, read what you do or you don't want. With the podcast, you're also speaking with Jack and I. And we're speaking to you. We're with you in the car when you're listening. We're with you on that walk to work when you're kind of, like, jumping out of the way as a taxi cab screeches by you on, like, 13th Street. And we're with you when you're multitasking because that's the key thing with pods and just doing your laundry. And it's Jack and I having a conversation with you because then you can send in a fact of the day and we'll make sure we get you a shout out. So that's what we love about it is this connection with our snackers. And once you came back from the audition and it goes live, I'm so curious about like the logistics of how this worked because you still lived in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. You still lived in Michigan. Like how were you, how were you doing that? Our first episode was May 23rd. So... 
we had both decided that that summer we were going to do market snacks through and through, uh-huh. no nothing else. So I got a Craigslist bedroom uh, in Hell's Kitchen for seventeen hundred a month. Nice <laughs> steal. Steal. <laughs> I believe it's called Hudson no, Yards it's, now. Yeah, it's <laughs> East, East, East Hudson Yards. Love the Hell's um, Kitchen name though. So we were in the city together when when we finally launched the pod. First episode was May twenty third, and. We were actually squatting in hotel lobbies <laughs> yeah. and coffee shops. We didn't have a uh, workspace yet. Soon we got one. Uh, this place called Betawork Studios, which was perfect one of those, for hustling entrepreneurs. Like one we of those were. funny things that you don't think of, but when we did that fundraise with Rough Draft Ventures, people think you know VCs and stuff give you just money. They also give you advice, strategy, and resources. For example, they hooked us up with Betaworks which led to us having a way more productive summer than we would have if we were bouncing between Starbucks. Right. So at 12 o'clock noon every day, we would stop strategizing and thinking about how we're going to grow the company, and we would start thinking about that day's Snacks Daily podcast. So we, we did what we called the headline hammer, where Nick and I look at all the stories. Nick has his favorite sources. I have my favorite sources. We check press releases, earnings reports, as well as Wall Street Journal articles and secondary news coverage. And we come up with a list of about 20 stories, potentially, that we could cover. Then it's 12.30. Nick and I get together. We start pitching each other what stories we think should go into the podcast and the newsletter. 12.35, we've decided what stories we're going to cover. Then Perfect. we spend an hour and a half or two researching and Crushing preparing. Through. Then we jumped on the subway, went to the Upper West Side, where our studio was at the time, and recorded the podcast from Cadence 13. Uh, then it's 4 o'clock. Our editor's put together the two files. We have it. Edit um, it together. Smooth it out. Then we jump into the newsletter, finish up the newsletter. I mean, it was a crazy schedule. Yeah, it's one of those things, like we said before, if you had said this was going to be the plan, you probably would have said, no, this doesn't make sense. But <laughs> sometimes you just go with it and know that things will change if it's successful. And that's what ended up happening. Wow. <laughs> full days. And you're building yeah. like two full products the whole time. Yeah. So you do this for a while and then... Robinhood approaches you, you approach them. How's that work? Yeah, so basically, Jack and I, remember, we're monetized through ad sales. So right. we're running ads in the podcast that are actually handled by our production company, Cadence 13, who we signed with. So Jack and I are doing the content every day. Cadence, this production company, is doing the editing, the distribution, and the and ad there was sales. A, there was a revenue split. So uh, we get a certain percentage, they get a certain percentage sure. of the ad sales, and we were both incentivized for growth. Because the bigger the audience, the more ads we could sell, the more both of us win. And Jack and I are doing the ads the ads ourselves. We're like having fun. You know, we're talking about uh, Buffalo Trace Whiskey. They were one of our early sponsors. Like we embraced <laughs> it. We, we nice. did our own ads and we were proud of it. But um, then we're also monetizing the newsletter. And which, we handled our own ads for the newsletter right. still. We were getting fintech companies. We were getting consumer goods companies. Your classics, the ones you see in there. We're getting like Harry's Razors and stuff. So then Robinhood emails us and says they're interested in being the newsletter sponsor for a week. And we had a phone call, typical phone call to talk about this. Normally, I think we'd have just one of us on the call for one of these type, but for some reason, we were both, both. on this call. Yeah. We figured Robinhood was legit. Yeah. Like, we wanted <laughs> two heads better than we, one. We did recognize a lot of good, like, alignment between yeah. the two of us. And at the time, they were really disrupting this, like, stock trading space. They, the first yeah, one to come in, no commission, all that kind of stuff. I know, so, and they yeah. just launched commission-free right. crypto trading, too, okay. which was, like, a big deal. Yeah, there's a lot of momentum. Cri- Bitcoin was, like, $20,000. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had a phone call. We discussed the typical logistics of doing a, a week-long ad sponsorship, but then they asked us a few questions that didn't have anything to do with a week of 
of sponsors. They like echoed the questions we would have heard from investors earlier on about big picture, what we're thinking, strategy, mm-hmm. things that had nothing to do with they that. They asked us a question like, "What do you What do you guys want to be ultimately?" And we we pitched this really ambitious <laughs> thing. astronaut, and, then, <laughs> and he's like, "Go to Mars." He's like, oh, "Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure." Yeah, he was I like, like "We're like sure. validator, validator." Yeah, yeah. And then after the week of sponsorship, they invited us to California. And they popped the A word. Love that. <laughs> and uh, we were anticipating the A word, and it was really exciting to hear it in real life. What happened behind the scenes is, you know, this is a company that was exciting, fast moving, like you said, disrupting the financial industry, and was thinking ahead in the way that tech, you know, is focused on building these products. But what also can engage these products is having great quality material. That's media material. Yeah. Let's talk also about Robinhood. Democratizing the financial system mm-hmm. is is the mission of Robinhood. Nick and I were basically democratizing financial news. We didn't use the that marketing terminology, but that is what we were doing. And the, the founders of Robinhood were like, we are breaking down barriers in so many different ways to help people who aren't participating in the financial system uh, be able to do so. But one area that we're not doing that is financial news. Mm-hmm. And- to invest confidently in the markets, you need to not be intimidated by financial headlines. And the more you know about an industry and a trend, the more informed you are to be able to invest. So we actually flew out to California, sat down with Vlad and Beju. This was a really cool moment as a founder because Jack and I are, are sitting in front of two incredible entrepreneurs, fascinating guys, and we start seeing these really cool complimentary experiences. They were both roommates they had gone to the same college together. They had built a company together. They had lived in the East Village, I think it was, down to that point. Wow. So that was just like a fun connection. But then we started talking about like how they actually run their business and the way they're complementary and have right this, you know, just the right amount of overlap, but also these complementary different interests. And Jack and I really saw a connection there. So to bond with two incredible founders who we respect like Vlad and Beju was mm. awesome. And then to see the business complement of both democratizing aspects of finance that work even better together, that's when we knew this was this was a special moment. When you were thinking about the types, I mean, I'm sure yeah. you, you were coming in saying, you know, building this product, was acquisition on your mind before Robinhood approached you? Um, what's that look like? I mean, I think a lot of founders sort of see that as a, you know, the growth phase to a means to an end to being acquisition or there, or being your own thing. Yeah. I mean, what, what did that look like for, for you two? Well, I think exits are distracting. And if you've built, you know, your investors want to hear what the exit is. But if you're an entrepreneur and you've built the exit into the core part of your business plan, that's going to limit you in some way or limit your thinking. Um, So for us, this was not what we expected. And I think that's what ultimately led to it. If we had been trying to build up specifically for this opportunity, maybe the timing wouldn't have worked out. And life is like 99% timing. You know, in this case, we happen to live in an age where this was a fast-growing company that could add us as a differentiator. Mm -hmm. This is a a moment where media and content has an incredible amount of value. You see Netflix investing billions in it. You see Spotify acquiring podcast companies. There's a combination of tech and media that is powerful right now. So there's this moment that if we had tried to build toward it and built that into like a business plan, we probably would have missed it because we would have been distracted. So this was just fortuitous and it was because we were focused on one thing, building great digestible business news. 
And when you agreed to be acquired, how did the transition go? Um, because you were sort of have you, your visions are very aligned, which yeah. is really great. Um, but obviously, there are things to do. One of the things that I love when it switched was you guys have such a like a quick zippy tone and whatnot. Yeah. And you have to have now a legal disclaimer. True. Um, <laughs> because you're a part of Robinhood, and it's a wrap, yeah. which like fits so well. So like things like that. How did the the nitty gritty of kind of transitioning go? Meshing the cultures. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, we had to establish some policies and principles, and the day that we launched on March 25th as Robinhood Snacks, we published editorial principles, which explain how we decide what the news is. It clarified that we're not just an objective telling of the facts of the story, which is how some news does it. Mm -hmm. We are both an objective telling of the news and our subjective opinions on the news, so we wanted to clarify that. We also explained how we curate our stories. We clarified that if we own stock in a company that we mention, we're going to disclose that. But finally, we said we will have editorial independence. And um, it's important that your news sources are trusted and and that um, you squash out bias as much as you can. Um, So we clarified that we're not going to report when Robinhood makes news, we're not going to report on that mm. because we just won't be able to do it without bias and the conflict of interest is too inherent. We're yeah. going to let others handle that. But we will cover um, Robinhood's competitors in the news just like we'd cover any other company. Um, so that was one important fundamental policy that we established. And that was something that, you know, as founders, we found the benefit of having an advisory board early on and helping us through the acquisition process. And this is something that, you know, having a few media experts on this advisory board had helped us come up with as a key principle that we've seen pay off dividends for us. I mean, Jack and I, as we've grown Robinhood Snacks now, we've engaged in partnerships that we still lead. We're basically running a startup within a startup. And a lot of times those editorial principles come up in those partnership discussions. And it's because we were able to build those into the first day when we relaunched that that's had a powerful impact on our ability to grow the product now. Other things we had to discuss was like the new logo. Mm. Um, the bull is out. I still have the old school logo right here. It's nice. Nice. Market <laughs> I love that. Bull, it's an OG. <laughs> uh, isn't present anymore because that would have like clashed too much with the Robinhood brand. Yeah. Um, but we came up with like a logo and a name that we all felt good about. Thankfully, the colors are the same tone. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like happen? that you could keep snacks. It was like such yeah. a critical founding yeah. part of what this like, product was. Still totally. digestible. Me too. Still a snack. Me too. That's I, really nice. When when I when I finally got like the image file of our new logo. And it lo- I looked at it on my phone. I'm like, this is great. Like, this is perfect. So smooth. I'm, I'm so glad we still have this. Um, so, and then the legal disclosure, to your point, that was Beiju's idea. Great call. And uh, we, got a, we had a conversation <laughs> with compliance and legal at Robinhood. And we're like, we have to do a disclosure. Not just at the end of the pod. We ha- we're going to do it at the beginning of the pod mm-hmm. to make very clear and make sure that people aren't um, taking our news and doing things that you know, misinterpreting it as a research yeah. report. This isn't mad money. You know, it's not yeah, right. Kramer. We don't want yeah. people taking exactly. our, our story about Chobani and trying to invest in Chobani, which you, you can't, can't even do because it's a private company. And we <laughs> also know that one of the things that attracted Jack and I to Robinhood and the acquisition by Robinhood is their focus on customers is like insane. You see it reflected in the app and then you see it behind the scenes and stuff like this where Beiju's saying, you know, we can't, if we're we going to do just, disclosure, it can't just be a disclosure. We can't have a buzzkill right up front. It has like, to be the best Let's disclosure. do something different. Let's make it awesome. Let's let's own this thing. 
So we got like the four key, key, key bullet points of legal disclosure. Not a recommendation. It started at like seven. <laughs> yeah. But I'm Please like, tell can me we just you do these that. four? <laughs> yeah, another key thing is get to know the lawyers. Yeah. Really <laughs> they're, they're the gatekeepers on a lot of key at, moves. Yeah, at first yeah. they're like, this disclosure needs to have this, 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 this. And we're like, how about just these four? And they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we delivered those yeah. those bullet points mm-hmm. to a, a company that basically does, does this. this. Yeah. <laughs> they of make course. like <laughs> awesome jingles. Welcome to 2019. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, they're right. based in LA. Um, we actually don't know who the, the singer was, but he was great. Star and, is born. Yeah. yeah. And they, uh, they turned it... There were a bunch of iterations of that, actually. Sure. And we asked, we gave them little bits of feedback each each part along the way. But ultimately, uh, it's a little polarizing, the jingle. We've seen on Twitter, yeah, there's some trolls oh, out there. Yeah. But most people just, like, love it. And yeah. we've seen, like, carpool karaoke style, people sending <laughs> no us way. selfie videos yeah. of themselves singing the jingle, which well, is great. One of our principles at Snacks is, you know, we err on the side of just doing things differently and more fun. And that's one of the examples. Some people may not love it, but... It's kind of part of the So program. if you haven't heard our podcast, Nick and I open up, uh, we introduce ourselves. This we is say Nick. the three stories we're going to do. We then shift to like our favorite pop culture story of the day just to keep it fresh and light before we get into the news mm-hmm. stories. And then we do our legal disclosure. And we mentioned this is not a research report. This should not be used um, to buy or sell any securities. It's not a recommendation. recommendation. And But all of that is done in a rap with like awesome music. You get to check it out. So fast forwarding some more, it's scaled up, yeah. you've been acquired. Now, I mean, it's a slick outfit. What's this look like now? You know, much nicer studio, <laughs> you know, a, a streamlined, you know, interns, et cetera. Yeah, you're in like, California now. Yeah, yeah. right. So everything's, Big a lot has changed. Well, What's I, the new we're process a little tanner. Like? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't see that here, but you right. know. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing more of the yoga. We've got a, a kombucha routine that's powerful. <laughs> Critical. So moving out to California has been fun. Jack's from Vermont originally. I'm from New York City. And, um, and this has been kind of a cool change of pace, you know, to be out in the Bay Area. So lifestyle-wise, it's been kind of a funny transition. Um, but a key part of the acquisition was they wanted us to keep doing what we were doing. So actually, our daily routine hasn't changed that much. Yeah. Nice. Uh, mm-hmm. It's still mostly Nick and me doing, like, everything. We're actually bringing on a third snacker right now. Mm. She starts in really soon, yeah, in a couple which weeks. is going to be incredible. Um, but it, it's still mostly us. I mean, we have more resources, and sure. we have a marketing budget, and um, Nick and I are planning our 2020 big bets. It's a really exciting time to have those resources. But, um, you know, the the scaling plan that we had at Market Snacks is kind of what we're embarking on here. Yeah, we were a, like we mentioned before, we're a startup within a startup, which is really cool. Jack and I bring the same entrepreneurial skills, the same mindset, and literally the same business plan that we built out and essentially shared with our investor, you know, a year or two ago. That's what we're doing now. We're just doing it with more resources, with a powerful and awesome company behind us. Um, and it's it's been kind of an exciting new inflection point for the concept. And Robinhood Snacks is the first contact that a lot of customers have with Robinhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll, like, they might not even know about the Robinhood app, but right. they'll know about our podcast or our newsletter. And eventually they learn about Robinhood, and um, hopefully they like Nick and me. <laughs> and... Uh, the signal that Robinhood has invested in Nick and me and in Market Snacks tells them a little bit about what kind of company Robinhood is and um, build some brand affinity. So to, to start wrapping things up, um, what, uh, what would be your takeaway of you know fi- finance 
finances and financial news for people who are considering listening to your podcast, uh, getting into Snacks Daily? Mm-hmm. What should people know about the markets? I think what people should know, so Jack, usually in our pod we go, so Jack, what's the takeaway <laughs> for this section? Um, I'd say the takeaway for this is that news isn't something that should be boring. It shouldn't be something you do infrequently. This should be a daily habit that is fun. It becomes a daily ritual. And that's what our goal is at Snacks, that looking through headlines isn't just a boring scroll, or deep diving isn't just left to the weekends when you have time to hold our entire article. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is make news the fun part of your day. Like, you know when you're getting like a breakfast bowl and you get to like the almond butter part at the end and it's the most satisfying? We want to be that for you, the thing you look forward <laughs> yeah, to every day, every morning, <laughs> a few minutes. Totally. <laughs> and we think business news can have that role because it hasn't in the past, mm-hmm. and we want to build that for you. So that's why we have the Snacks Daily Podcast and the Robin Hood Snacks newsletter. Mm. And we want to give you like an edge on your day to be really well-informed. Nick and I are like total news junkies and are reading everything in the world. And we want to feed our the best stuff we have in our heads to our listeners. And, uh, you know, sometimes we'll take lessons from our MBA classes. Mm-hmm. Like one of my Ross professors told me uh, the greatest trick a marketer ever pulled was adding repeat at the end of the instructions on a shampoo bottle. So basically, you know, pour some shampoo on your hair, yep. <laughs> on your hand, lather your hair. Rinse, repeat. <laughs> just do it again. Like it, yeah. it doubled sales. It doubled overnight. <laughs> yeah. And so this is the kind of like, you know, we're helping our listeners become better consumers sure. because mm-hmm. they're aware how uh, companies are wa- making the decisions they're making. We're also helping them become potentially more informed for investing. Yeah. Um, yesterday, we talked about Chobani moving from Greek yogurt only to oatmeal and oats. And our question was, is plant-based milk a sustainable trend that is a good investment? Or is this just another fad like juice cleanses was? We don't have the answer for you, but that framework of like mm-hmm. identifying, okay, yeah, this is hot. And sure, you you could be tempted to invest in and go in that direction, but this could be another fad. Totally. And then we're also finding the fascinating storyline and everything. So like when L Brands, the owner of Victoria's Secret, announced earnings the other day, the main headlines you saw pretty much in every news source was revenues down, loss widened, stock down. But Jack and I found a storyline in there that we thought was perfect for snacks. It was founded in 1963 in Columbus, Ohio, by the son of Russian immigrants. His name is Les Wexner. Incredible, like, American dream story. Yeah. I mean, that's the American dream. However, today, he's 82, still the CEO of L Brands. So he is the top dog deciding what underwear is coming next for Victoria's Secret. And that's why Victoria's Secret's missed, like, the bralette trend and is doing stuff that is completely out of touch and, like, should have canceled their fashion show years ago. Our takeaway was you got to replace the head of that company. Mm. And we looked at other companies like Papa John's, which replaced Papa John Schnatter. Yeah. And, like, they've rebounded because of that after his faux pas. This is an obvious opportunity, we thought. And if Victoria's Secret wants to, like, start growing again, they got to... We got to get rid of less. So the takeaway to our takeaway (laughs) is that business news is something you can and should enjoy as a ritual. Mm -hmm. It's also something at Snacks that we make incredibly valuable. I mean, people tweeted us all the time. They just got a job for this or that because they've been listening to Snacks. So we're combining those things together, giving you – we want you to walk out of having listened to a Snacks podcast feeling like you stepped out of the best stern strategy class ever – 
simultaneously you were having like beer served during the class and chatting <laughs> with your friends. Like we, you're going to be having fun and enjoying it, but you're also going to be stepping away with something that you're going to use in your next job interview. Love that. We want to close with something a little fun. Um, we want to get to know you guys a little bit yeah. better. We learned a lot about your story. Doing a little bit of this or that, just, you know, off the top of your head. Rapid fire. Ra- rapid fire. Ready. Snack style, Let's do one it. might say. Um, New York or San Francisco? New York. New York. Love it. That's the <laughs> well, correct answer. Right. Here's that's the city makes you feel a lot. <laughs> that's, that's the bold snacks that's answer. I actually answer. think a pretty good um, a pretty good answer too could be New York by night, San Francisco by day. Yeah, oh, that's good. That is good. Also, answer. the Bay Area is incredibly gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, true. there's nothing true. like you're doing wine country one moment, then squaw you're like, is the three hours. I think squaw is getting dumped with like two feet of snow. It's insane. Right the lifestyle out there is is actually surreal. It's wildly. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. So going along with that, morning person or night owl? Uh, Both. Nick, Nick, <laughs> Nick brings me Never up sleeps. in the morning. Sometimes I'll walk in, I'll be like, oh, crap. I got a massage jack. I'm like, Get in there, Jack. We can do it today. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, we're actually both. Like, one of the oh, crazy wow. things That's is we're on awesome. a news cycle. Yeah. And um, Jack oh, never stops. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we were finishing that newsletter at 2 a.m. this morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, um, wow. The news never stops, and that's part of the business. I mean, I love reading and consuming news, but it's a full time job. Yeah, times two. <laughs> totally. So you mentioned squaw, so I got to ask uh, skiing or snowboarding? Skiing. That's the right. Yes. Answer. Although, All uh, right. Jake Burton Carpenter. <laughs> Snowblading. <laughs> Jake Burton Carpenter passed away yesterday. He was our snack fact of the day in our newsletter this morning. Mm. He basically invented the snowboard. Uh, wow. He's a great Vermonter. An amazing story. He's wow. in like the Vermont Business Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, Stratton was one of the first ski resorts that welcomed snowboarders. Kind of a fun fact. That is a good But fact. I'm a skier. That should be nice. our next snack. I'm too. skiing this coming week at Sugarbush, which is uh, mm-hmm. my nice. wife and my uh, like home mountain. That's really nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one's not a this or that, but favorite podcast to recommend that's not Snacks Daily for our listeners. I think How I Built This is really awesome. Mm. And um, I don't listen to every episode. But if you look at the roster of companies that they have like interviewed, pick the ones that you feel for whatever reason will be interesting. I love the Ben and Jerry's episode. Yes, of mm, how I so built this. Good. That was Nick's recommendation actually. But Ben and Jerry, <laughs> founding Ben and Jerry's, yeah. is so incredibly funny. There's one part of the story where Hagen Dazs, which was the big, you know, big bully of ice cream at the time, tried to sabotage Ben and Jerry's and tried to order all of the grocery stores. To, to boycott Ben and Jerry's. And if you don't boycott Ben and Jerry's, then you're not getting haagen Like, just a horrible sabotage mm. campaign. And hearing Ben and Jerry's talk about this and how they got over it was great. They're also, like, they were co-founders, co-CEOs, you know, best friends. Jack and I relate to this. And how many times have you been told you shouldn't be co-CEOs? like co-CEOs? We've been told that a dozen times. Robin Hood's got co-CEOs. We were co-CEOs. Like, it's possible. And those are cool <laughs> stories to see. One Take my, that, haters. <laughs> one of my favorites is... Um, I love Adam Grant's podcast because of the way it's he's really good work life. Yeah, yeah, the way Super he does work good. life, where there are multiple dimensions, and he's a storyteller, but you don't realize you're hearing a story. Yeah. And he's going through these interviews, and it's just you're hearing one line that Jack and I try to do this on snacks. You don't have to tell the whole thing and summarize everything. What makes a podcast great is hearing a story, and Adam Grant manages to do that in a relatable way by talking about your work. One more. Uh, the Sacred Text, the Harry mm. Potter podcast. Oh, you've heard about this, mm-hmm. Alex? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it, it basically uses the seven books of Harry Potter as a sacred, like, borderline religious text. <laughs> wow. And in church, 
you know, you'll look at the Bible and you'll read one chapter and they'll like relate that one chapter in the Bible to today's like modern life. They do the same thing with Harry Potter. So like chapter five of the Order of the Phoenix, I was just mentioning yesterday, um, you know, they'll talk about Professor McGonagall and how important trusted adults are in kids' lives. And it's like really an uplifting thing. And they do it one chapter is one episode of the pod. Great show. That's awesome. All right. I got one more for you. Um, it's not, it's a this or that or that or that or that. <laughs> uh, you talk a lot about, um, subscription saturation in the podcast. Subscripturation. Yeah. That's it. Subscripturation. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so subscription, you can't go without, you know, you're sort of go to got to keep that subscription. Robin, it's next. For me, it's been, it's, it's been Netflix because Still of the, the office and parks and rec. So um, but Disney plus like dear God, nice. that is a great library of content. <laughs> yeah. So tough to say I can't go without Disney plus cause I've only had it for <laughs> like four days. Nice. Uh, I've been using, I, this isn't a subscription per se, but they like should it. have one. Um, in the Bay Area, I've been using a company called Good Eggs, which is like Instacart for local markets. Oh, hmm. nice. Which, what, I would pay a hefty monthly subscription for that thing. It is incredible to get that kind of quality with that kind of, like, logistics. It's That's just true. impressive. I don't have a grocery. Wow. Going grocery shopping in a city is, yeah. is really painful. And, and like, takes farm, hours of time. farm to table, like, those strawberries, like, die within six hours. I don't know how they deliver this. I used to take, like... Six giant bags, three on each side. Well, it was a workout, so that was kind of cool. I know my traps were destroyed. <laughs> I used to, I used yeah, to take huge. six bags down the stairs into the L train. This is why I got to massage them to wake them up every day. <laughs> but I'd happily pay like the ten dollar delivery fee for groceries. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Well, this has been incredibly fun for us as fellow business school students, and this is mostly a stern audience. We assume like. First of all, congratulations on being in an awesome place in, like, the capital of the world, essentially. <laughs> and, you know, best of luck with these next couple of years if you're an alum. Congratulations. But thanks for having us. And definitely check out Snacks Daily. We'd love to have you join us. This Nick. has been the best chat yet. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Jack, really appreciate your time. Uh, listen to Robin Hood Snacks in your podcast every day. Yeah, the podcast is called Snacks Daily. That's what you should search for on Spotify or Apple. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thank, Thank you. you.